You're listening to SpectraCast, the show where I get behind the scenes on diversity and inclusion. I'll be talking to a number of people who have taken steps towards greater inclusion of others, and also with those who have benefited from being included in the workplace. Whilst my bias might be towards recruiting and retaining neurodiverse people, I'll also explore practical approaches to be more inclusive overall. Hi, I'm your host Chris Turner, and I've made it my mission to help employers to embrace and reap the rewards of being more inclusive of neurodiversity. In doing so, I hope to do my little part in ensuring more neurodiverse people get the same opportunities and choices as everyone else when it comes to work and employment. So, if you're curious and want to learn from those who are doing it, and you favour action over inaction, then stick around. Welcome back, guys, to the SpectraCast podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with Sean Langton. Now, Sean is the Chief Technology Officer at Bankwest, a large financial institution in Australia with a significant presence in Western Australia. Now, Sean talks about their organisational journey into the unknown in order to access a talent pool that they just weren't leveraging and how they realized the benefits of embracing community and understanding the amount of support that was really out there to to back them in their journey and the the, the fantastic outcomes that they've been able to generate as a result so uh, without any further ado let's uh jump into it hey thanks sean for joining me this morning and uh, sharing the story of, uh, of Bank West's journey of autistic employment. So great to have you on. Thank you. You're welcome. So I was really interested, though, to understand what was it that kicked off this journey for, for you and Bank West? What was the, what was the motivator? Yeah, there was probably two. One was um, uh, opportunism on my part, and we were presented with a, with a great opportunity, but it really... Uh, met a need that we'd been facing into for a, for a little bit of time around how do we grow and diversify our engineering workforce. Um, so at the time I was the uh, head of the engineering software engineering department at Bankwest, and we, when you look out and survey uh, the amount of candidates in the workforce uh, in Perth in Western Australia, um, there's a diminishing pool of engineering talent. Uh, there's declining numbers coming through the university sector and within that um, declining pool there's also a, a reducing diversity. Um, so when we were presented with the opportunity to partner with uh, an organisation that could help us uh, on board colleagues on the um, autism spectrum, uh, it kind of met a need that we'd been thinking about but weren't really too sure about how to go, go about, which was how do we grow the pool of uh, future talent and future workforce for the bank. Yep. Uh, and how do we do that in a way that increases the diversity of the pool and doesn't just get into an ever kind of narrower kind of gene pool of people coming through the, the university system? Yeah. yeah. So that, um, that diversity, did you have a specific target around, I know sometimes it gets lumped under the disability cohort, but was that was that a specific agenda or was it more about just widening it beyond some of the more traditional diversity angles? Yeah, we, we have a diversity 
um, strategy and we tend to focus at different points in time on different areas of, of diversity but at, at the time we didn't have a specific target or specific focus on disability or neurodiversity or anything like that. Yeah, okay. um, it was more emanating from um, Bankwest has a, has a very strong kind of community ethos or sense of being a um, significant employer in, the, in the Western Australia uh, market, uh, yeah. important member of the community. And that's something we do take seriously. So we tend to do our community engagements in a way that engages our staff. And we really try to make sure that the things we're doing are meaningful. Um, we're not just writing sort of blank checks and we're not just sort of um, uh, taking a kind of charitable approach to these things. Um, yeah. But we're doing that make a difference to the community. They're real important issues, make a difference to our business. Um, mm-hmm. And also matter to colleagues and, and can engage staff in, in the process. Um, to make sure that you know we are contributing not just as a as a bank and a financial services provider, but but also as a, a you know, major employer in the state. Okay, which is a, which is a really nice approach, and I think it helps lend itself to being a more sustainable in the long term, doesn't it? So, absolutely. And what what getting started on that? I, I think you you know you said you were had an opportunity to partner with another organisation that was going to help with that. But internally, what, what were the sort of anxieties or concerns or issues that we might have been raised around this? Because I would have thought it was quite different. Yeah. Um, so to put it really simply, it's the fear of the unknown. Um, when you start to broach the subject, I mean, two things I noticed. One was an enormous amount of goodwill amongst colleagues uh, and leaders and an incredible amount of support um, in terms of making it happen, um, mm-hmm. and people put it, you know, rolling their sleeves up, putting effort in. Um, pretty much within a week of me kind of announcing that I was talking to this organisation, uh, there was a voluntary working group up and running, supporting um, the organisation in, in making it happen, which was incredible. The hurdles were really just the unknown. You know, people kind of want to do the right thing and want to make a difference in the community, and, and a lot of people. Uh, are touched in some way by people on the spectrum um, and, you know, either know people or have people in their family or their, um, their social groups. Yeah. And, um, but also a lot of people just don't know. They, they either haven't encountered someone on the autis- autism spectrum or perhaps have but just don't realise it. Um, yeah. and so I think for, for a lot of us, myself included, it was a journey into the unknown and just that kind of willingness to take, take a step uh, recognise there's a lot of support along the way and that um, we would be okay, you know, that this isn't, isn't as scary as it perhaps felt for people. Um, but that was really the only internal barrier in terms of um, making it happen, the kind of logistical things, HR processes, the support uh, within the organisation has been phenomenal. Which is awesome, isn't it? And um, and it was interesting that you're saying there that the, uh, the number of people who are touched by it and how readily people come out of the woodwork and uh, that's certainly been my experience as well. It doesn't, you don't need to nose around much before you find people who, um, who are really interested and prepared to help. Which, um, it's obviously sounds like a good catalyst for you. Yeah. And I think just, just putting the, the topic out there and the subject out there that it's, um, it gets people talking. Um, and yeah, it's amazing just by sort of floating a subject or an opportunity, um, how much, is out there just how many, how many people have some knowledge or awareness or desire to help um, 
uh, really certainly caught me by surprise, you know, really, really pleasantly surprised by uh, how engaged people were in, in this subject. Yeah. And the how would you, um, I'm just thinking about that assistance that you ordered, the partnership that you had with, um, with an external party. How important did that prove to be in terms of actually building that confidence and knowledge internally? Yeah, yeah, it was huge. So, yeah, the third party that um, helped us is, is an organisation called the Autism Academy for Software Quality Assurance, or ASQA, or AASQA for short. Right. Uh, a bit of a mouthful. Um, but, yeah, it's an organisation that runs out of um, Curtin University who have a lot of expertise in autism. And their goal, they're, they're essentially a not-for-profit, voluntary um, organisation, and their goal is to open up pathways into the workforce for students coming through IT um, courses and technical subjects into employment in the um, technology sector. And so what they have done is developed a lot of materials um, and provide a lot of direct hands-on support to the students themselves mm -hmm. and they were able to bring a whole bunch of expertise um, to us uh, in the form of um, best practice uh, advice and um, knowledge sharing and awareness that that meant that the leaders who were hiring the interns uh, into the workforce um, had somewhere to go um, mm -hmm. had some experts to, to call upon and it just took away that kind of barrier or that fear of the unknown and, you know, what would I do if this happened or where would I go and, you know, people feeling like they're not experts in the, in the subject area. They had somewhere to turn. Um, so, yeah, I can't, uh, can't overstate how important ASQA has been in our journey and in making that simple for us as, a, as an employer. Yeah. Um, ultimately, yeah, access a, a, a fantastic talent pool, which is really the kind of outcome uh, that it's led to for us. Brilliant. Um, and, on, and in terms of accessing that talent pool, did you take a different approach to the recruitment and you know, the search process? Yeah, so, so another third party that um, helped us in the search and selection process, there's um, uh, an arm of the Australian Computer Society that is uh, the ACS Foundation who have been running internships for us for some time and they provide a lot of logistical support and support to students to help them with work placements while they're completing their studies. Okay. So we've had a long-standing relationship with the ACS Foundation. So they were able to help us with the um, selection process and preparing uh, the students. We then customised our normal uh, recruitment selection and interview process taking on board the advice of the um, experts from Curtin University mm -hmm. um, and really just removing the anxiety, um, some of the formality uh, from the interview and selection process. We didn't lower the bar in any way. Um, yeah. You know, we still have like the same selection criteria that we always would. We simply changed the format. Um, and, you know, so for example, we didn't do a panel interview with you know, three senior bank employees sitting on one side of the desk and the, um, the, the student coming in and, and, you know, facing quite an intimidating atmosphere. Yeah. We made it a little bit more social and a little bit more uh, interactive. So, you know, we uh, show people around the building, we explain to them, what, you know, what we do, 
Um, and then we just find other ways to uh, you know, pick up the information that, that you need through a sort of formal interview process to mm-hmm. run the And we still did um, technical uh, tests and activities that we would normally do to check people's kind of technical credentials. But yeah, uh, yeah we just kind of softened the process really to, um, to allow people to kind of perform at their best in, in that kind of selection process rather than sort of intimidate them and taking on board the uh, the ex- experts' advice that you know the reason that a lot of people on the spectrum are um, shut out from employment opportunities is simply because of traditional hiring practices and interviewing approaches, which just don't work. Uh, you know, create anxiety, and it means you're not seeing that person at their best. Yeah, absolutely. And and did you what kind of feedback did you get from the the candidates going through that process? What was their what was their take on that? Um, yeah, they, they've been uh, really positive. I think um, not only the candidates themselves, but also their their networks and their their families um, have also been um, incredibly uh, thankful and grateful for the support, and you know, not shy in kind of expressing that to us. So that's kind of really nice uh, reinforcement to us that you know we're not only um, finding some great employees and, and workers, but uh, you know the, the stories we're hearing from people's families around the difference it's making um, and how it's helping people in their sort of broader life and their broader role in the community and in their family life. Um, that's actually been really quite touching as well. So yeah, the feedback has has been good. I think um, you know we kind of live and learn. Um, I mean, one of the things that we've learned is that you you can't really um, classify people on the spectrum and find one one method or one way that works for people. I mean, it, you feel silly kind of reflecting on it, yeah. but, you know, every single candidate has proven to be completely unique, which is, uh, you know, true of all humans really. But um, it, it is one of the, the kind of obvious lessons that we learned really early is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can't, um, just pe- put people in, into pigeonholes and, and groups. You've actually just got to be a, a little bit adaptable and, um, you know, listen and watch and learn as you go. Um, uh, it was one of the really obvious learnings that we, we picked up really early. It's, uh, it is true. We are all different. And uh, I think it's, it can be challenging to have a, a corporate process, as it were, that can be that flexible at times as well. It's, um, there is a tendency to be kind of fixed in a way, isn't it? So, yeah. I think you've done pretty well to make that work. And when it came to um, onboarding and you know, integrating the, 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 these new employees into your organisation, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so again, we were able to um, leverage some of the fantastic support that's out there in the broader community and in the um, uh, autism support services. So there's an organisation called the Autism Association of Western Australia, uh, and they came in and ran um, knowledge and awareness sessions for everyone who's going to be working with the uh, colleagues, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was just incredible in terms of just raising people's awareness and, and demystifying the whole space. Because mm-hmm. um, what we didn't want to do is kind of you know bring a bunch of people in and you know on day one kind of just sort of announce them as here's our colleagues who are on the autism spectrum and they're special and everyone's got to wrap them in cotton wool. But at the same time, we didn't want to not acknowledge that they were different and that, you know, we needed to uh, be aware of some differences and be able to accommodate those differences. So, yeah, the approach of running these uh, workshops with the Autism Association 
of Western Australia was uh, really, really powerful and really helped us just prepare the teams. And really from there, uh, we, it was just a matter of learning as, as we went, you know, providing support to teams, to team leaders and making sure they knew they had somewhere to turn. Um, but, you know, to be perfectly honest, there weren't um, a whole series of major issues that, that we've had to really face into. Okay. Well, that's, that's really good. And do you feel that the team leaders particularly, I guess, have made any sort of significant changes in the in their management approach when it comes to you know, supporting the these new new staff members i think we've all learnt to um to listen and watch and be just a little bit more adaptable to to what's going on for the individual colleagues and i think some of those um changes in leadership behavioral growing leadership maturity that we've all experienced has been beneficial across everyone that we lead um, you know, when you stop and think about it, you realise that a lot of the things we're adapting, some of the things that cause anxiety for people, um, apply to a lot of people who are not on the spectrum. Um, you know, there's, there's all manner of neurodiversities out there. There's, there's a, a huge, um, almost epidemic levels of mental health issues that people um, often uh, cover up in the workplace mm-hmm. but can yeah, sometimes explain um, behaviours and, and anxieties and things. So I think, you know, the, the small tweaks that people have made, you know, no one's really sort of redesigned their team structures or working practices in any way, but yeah. um, it's just been a sort of growing maturity amongst leaders in terms of their understanding of the whole person, uh, of what might be going on on the inside and, and being able to kind of read behaviours and just adapt their, their leadership style a little bit, be open, be accommodating. Um and, you know, ultimately help us uh, accommodate a much more diverse workforce in, in all kind of range of diversities, not just um, autism. Yeah, that's well, it, because I think uh, we, we're, we are complex beings, aren't we? And people have always got stuff going on outside of work. And I think it's often, it's often easy to forget that we actually, a large part of our life exists outside of the office. And, but you can't really separate the two things sort of cross boundaries all the time and it does impact on the way we act and feel and think. And it's not easy. Um, you know, we, we all kind of uh, grow and learn as we go as leaders, but there's, you know, we have, um, you know, like any organisation, we have a strong set of corporate values that we uphold. We um, have certain team behaviours that we expect. We have certain professional etiquettes that, that we expect and it, it can be difficult sometimes to, to strike that balance between, you know, what's an acceptable level of diversity and just an acceptable level of accommodating people's differences yeah. versus you know, where do people just step outside the boundaries of acceptable behaviour in the workplace. Um, but I think, you know, you don't know until you just start sort of trying different things and, um, you know, you stick to your kind of principles around what, what we're trying to do and make sure that, a safe and inclusive work, workplace that's our ultimate goal and um you know we all benefit from from trying different things yeah absolutely and so when you think back to the beginning of this process for you and and what you are hoping to achieve and you look at it at how things are playing out today how do you think it's this exercise, this 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 sort of—I uh, don't want to call it an experiment, but this um, yeah, this program. How do you think it's playing out relative to how you had hoped? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, we didn't, we never set out with a plan. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't want to call it experiment because we don't, you know, experiment on people, but um, we did take a very much sort of learn as you go kind of approach with a, the idea that, you know, there, there wasn't, uh, this was a sort of no loss bet, you know, it was a good area for us to explore and we can only win. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, we've had, um, I think we've had seven uh, interns through and Three of those have um, resulted in longer-term employment opportunities uh, yeah. for the candidates, and you know we continue to learn. I mean, we what we haven't yet really thought through about thought through is uh, post internships and post um, graduate onboarding uh, mm -hmm. programs. Um, how do we provide the support throughout the whole career um, for people on the spectrum and um, what does that look like to make sure you know people get support when they need it, um, whether they're the leader or whether they're the, the colleague, but that those support services are in place um, and accessible sort of throughout someone's career. Um, yeah. We haven't really had to um, encounter that yet, um, but that's something that we're starting to think about as uh, you know more people come through from those kind of very early employment opportunities in, in terms of internships and um, graduate programs into sort of longer term careers with the bank. Yeah, because I think that's, um, it, it can be tricky because things can change along the way, especially as people move into new roles and their personal circumstances change, things can crop up and um, they might, be, might have been cruising along very happily for a long while and, and it can all kind of go a bit sideways. And, uh, well, I mean, one of the things that we're doing in the, in the broader workforce is, um, breaking down some of the traditional role boundaries. So some of the, the traditional functional silos that uh, have existed in, in most workplaces and kind of corporate hierarchies and, and silos is yeah. not really how work's performed these days. So at Bank West, we've recently um, changed the operating model of the whole bank to adopt agile ways of working um, and different working practices, which really put a lot of demand on people to cross skill, to work very, very collaboratively. Mm -hmm. So it's really important um, that anyone coming into, into the workforce comes in with a mindset of um, being able to extend their skill set, being able to branch out into different areas and work as part of a, a dynamic team environment as opposed to kind of traditional working practices where you may have maybe employed as a software tester and all you did was uh, software testing. Yeah. Um, these days our, our, our software testers get involved in fixing software defects and so they do coding, they can be involved in the business analysis, um, they can be running the teams in, in the form of scrum masters who lead the teams. So yeah, while we've kind of focused uh, the software quality assurance side generally brings people in in, in testing functions which we're um, which we see a lot of skill as well as things like cyber security um, areas. Mm -hmm. We often have long-term and sustainable careers. We've got to be able to um, build the flexibility into their skill sets and their, and their mindsets around not just finding a, a, a function or a role or a team that they're comfortable in, right. but they're willing to um, step out of that, step out of the comfort zone with the right support um, to have you know really kind of full and fulfilling careers in the bank. So is that your sort of next horizon for, for this work? 
Yeah, I, I think so. And it's, you know, it's just a matter of time um, as people, yeah, people generally come in on three to six month internships. Right. Um, we then run a two year graduate program, which is where people, you know, they kind of entry level positions into the software engineering department. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're now sort of three years into the program. So we're just reaching that point where uh, people are going to start uh, going into the broader workforce and we need to uh, understand how we're going to support people through their, their kind of long-term development. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, I guess, that they're, you know, that they're, 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 they're still there and they're still keen and, you know, they're, you know, they're obviously contributing as, as well as anybody else is going to, so... Um, and it's great that you that they've got an em, an employer who's uh, you know as mindful as you are to to consider those sort of angles for them. So because it could be tricky for some. And um, and how have you found? So when it comes to you know we've talked about you know, um, uh, the diversity angle of bringing people in and the like, but you also talked about limit access to specific talents and, and skill sets and, and the like, scarce yeah. reason, especially out, out your neck of the woods. How have you actually found that playing out? So from that actual, that, that sort of the commercial angle around it? Yeah, so, so I mean, in terms of the, the level of skill that people are, are bringing um, is very, very high. So, you know, we've found... Um, People going into areas like cybersecurity, which are incredibly hard to uh, find skilled uh, talent in the markets, particularly in Perth, um, and, and where that talent exists, it's usually in very high demand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've certainly found that they that um, people are coming in, they're contributing from day one. The level of technical skills is as high, if not higher, than the, um, the other uh, people who are not on the spectrum who are coming in. Yeah. Um, and the level of uh, focus, the level of um, attention to detail has been very high. And, you know, some of the little interventions we've had to make have been sort of making people take regular breaks. Um, things that we don't normally have to tell uh, millennials, you know, Please take a break. <laughs> easy. Um, yeah, the, just, just the natural kind of curiosity, the, the focus, the dedication to the task. We've just had to be a little bit more directive than we perhaps normally are around uh you know people taking lunch breaks and uh coffee breaks and coming to the team meetings and stand-ups and things um but yeah other other than that we've certainly found the the base kind of technical skill level has been very very high and it's been in areas that are in very high demand for us um so while it's still you know relatively small scale um Mm -hmm. in terms of the number of people coming through it's it all helps and all contributes to, um, to growing our workforce. And yeah, not only um, that, one of the reasons we, we like to talk publicly about um, some of what we're doing is we want to encourage a whole other generation of people to come into the, um, the training and the kind of university sector to educate in computer science or technology careers and sort of demystify that whole space for people because there's still a lot of perceptions out there amongst um, the community, amongst um, uh, the, the school-age um, students who are choosing their career paths and the parents who are advising them and the careers advisors around technology careers that people really, unless we talk about what, it, what it's like and where you can go with a technology career, mm-hmm. people really 
think it's um, like something out of the dark ages that there's people, you know, with screwdrivers in the in the uh, basement fixing machines. And um, yeah, I can tell you, there's nothing like that. Um, you know, if, and when people are exposed to our workplace and hear the stories of uh, the type of work people do, it does encourage more people to come into that sector, um, which can only only be a good thing. You know, we we need. Yeah, not just Bank West, but the Western Australian economy, the Australian economy globally. Um, we need a lot more people and we need a lot more diversity in the technology sector. And um, so the more we're uh, not only kind of experimenting with different avenues and pathways into the workforce, but also telling the story and um, helping people understand, you know, what, what you can do in a, a technology career uh, can only help that cause as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think what you're what you're you're talking about there is is exactly bang on because I think there's there's kind of two parts to it. There's the motivation to to kind of either com- you know, to complete your studies in a particular area because yes, it can be interesting at the other end. But I think for this particular cohort of people, it's also having that um, knowledge and confidence that there is light at the end of the tunnel as well. It's not just, well, finish uni and then it's there's very little hope of getting anything. That There are plenty of employers out there who both appreciate what you can bring to the table and are going to really love the, the knowledge and skills that you're building. So you kind of, it's, yeah, you're putting yourself in a, in a really great place by getting through uni. So I'd say offering them that incentive and motivation is, uh, is really critical, I think, to building that talent pipeline that you've mentioned. So. Absolutely. And so, what's the uh, what's the future look like for for Bank West in terms of its neurodiversity plans? Yeah. So, so we um, we're continuing to uh, take on. Yeah, we, we grow our graduate program each year, goes from strength to strength. Um, we continue to open up opportunities to people, whether they're coming into the grad program or our internships. Mm-hmm. Um, always uh, put it out there and open it up to uh, people coming through the ASQA, um, uh organisation who've had their support services so that they know there's, there's somewhere to go. Um, and yet as our kind of workforce grows and as our organisation becomes much more of a digital-centric organisation, yeah. um, that will just continue to grow in terms of volume and you know, the number of uh, candidates we're bringing in each year. Um, We'll also expect to see um, that people will go to roles beyond the technology department. So at the moment, um, all or most of our software engineering is done uh, within teams that report to the technology and transformation uh, division of the bank. But increasingly, we're seeing technology skills, coding skills, testing skills, attention to detail be in demand in roles across the bank. Um, We've got an emerging area in data science in our Mm -hmm. uh, customer services and insights division. Uh, We have um, cyber security is growing all the time. Um, Risk uh, systems are heavily data-driven and analytics-driven. and, and so we're seeing uh, a lot of the roles that exist in the broader organisation are becoming a lot more technically centric and that can only open up more opportunities for people coming through this kind of pathway into roles that may not be the traditional software engineering role or software tester yeah. role that's in the, the IT team. Um, 
but uh, you know, it could be blended with more commercial roles or um, uh, other kind of activities that uh, sit in other parts of the bank. So uh, what I'm hearing there is lots of career prospects over time as well. I think anyone who uh, can code, anyone who's comfortable with technology and likes working with it uh, and has a commercial mindset and a customer focus uh, coming through the uni sector today has uh, enormous uh, career opportunities in front of them regardless of, kind of where they sit on that kind of neurodiversity spectrum. Yeah. Uh, those skills are just going to be in incredibly high demand um, uh, and to the extent that, you know, I'd be, I'd be worried if I was coming through the uni sector these days without some strong technical skills because, you know, that, that is the future of work and uh, where, where we can see a very clear, uh, strong and growing demand. That's great. Um, it's been a fantastic, fantastic chat, Sean, and I've really enjoyed um, hearing about the work that you're doing at Bank Western and uh, the sort of the, the success that you're having with the program and and really um, excited, I think, about the the prospects of, of where you're hoping to see that grow. And, and as we just said, you know, you know, expanding well beyond technology and opening up a lot of doors for people. I think it's it's fantastic, uh, especially out, out in WA where there's, I guess, there's less, less options for people. Uh, it's a pretty long commute to Melbourne or Sydney, so... Uh, you know, it's, you got to, having opportunities to, to work for great organisations doing some, you know, interesting and fun work is, uh, is always good. So um, thanks for that. I think that's really great. Um, if people were interested to, to learn more about sort of, you know, the details of your experience and what you've been doing and how you've gone about some of those, those challenges, um, how could they get in touch? Yeah, so, um, yeah, anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn and, you know, we're quite uh, very comfortable opening the doors and showing people around. We've shared some of the um, uh, best practices that we've developed, like we've written some, some documentation that we provide to any leader that's um, basically taking on one of the interns um, and we've uh, provided that to third parties and other organisations that are going down this path. So yeah, we're, we're always open to showing other employers around, um, to speaking about our experience, um, and helping, helping other organizations go down the path that we've gone down. Perfect. That's brilliant. I, I really applaud you for that. It's uh, I think it's, it's a big thing for us. I think as a community to collectively kind of support the, 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 the next, the next organisation who's kind of keen to take the next step on wherever they are on that, that journey from being aware to yeah, actively doing something, uh, I think, uh, and that's, that's kind of really the, the premise for this, this podcast show as well. It's just to help share lessons and stories like your own, to help nudge yeah. people along. So uh, brilliant. Thank you for that. I really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thank you. It's been, been lovely to talk. Thanks a lot, Sean, and I hope for a chat soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. I really hope that you got something out of it and that you feel like you learned something new. If you did find the show helpful, please leave a rating and or a comment as it will really help to spread these lessons and insights wider and hopefully inspire more people to take the next step toward creating more inclusive workplaces. Also, if there is a topic or guest that you'd like me to explore or have on the show, drop me an email or reach out on LinkedIn. Your input is what will help keep the show relevant and helpful going forward. 
So until next time, let's work together and level the playing field for neurodiverse job seekers.